Points to resolve from last time, then, yep. are basically related to TV show Rainbow. That's pretty much it. it the, the gamut of our queries was run entirely surrounding Rainbow. I have to say, you're looking rather like Blofeld at the I'm, moment. I'm sitting here with uh, what can only be described as a domesticated cat on my lap, purring away quite happily, enjoying the uh, snugness of my crotch. Thankfully, she is domesticated. Yes. Otherwise, I'd be rather scared right now. Yeah, well, I don't know how much damage a small cat can do, but um, whatever it is, with the proximity to my nether regions, even tiny damage would be frowned upon. Maybe you don't want to go shouting about tiny damage to the nether regions. It's better than saying damage to my tiny nether regions. (laughs) But it kind of implies it. Anyway, back to Rainbow. Just to clarify, Rainbow was cancelled in 1992, having run for 20 consecutive years. That's an incredibly long period of time for a kid's TV show to run. I didn't really realise how many generations of children would have grown up with that show. So that's both my older brothers, one of which is 40, grew up watching essentially the same TV as I watched. Strange. And children after you. And and children after me. And yet there's people who I speak to who can't even remember Thundercats. That's the scope of it. As big as Thundercats was, it will never have the far-reaching wide appeal that Rainbow impacted on many generations. Mainly because Thundercats probably only ran for about two years. Yet, as children, it felt like forever, just like Summers did. So, after 1992, when it had got cancelled, Jeffrey ended up not getting much work, so he worked in a supermarket for a short period of time. He wasn't a window cleaner, but then he became a taxi driver, which I believe he's still doing to this day. If we can find out, um, I'm not going to log it as a query, because we've more or less covered this off, but... I'd love to find out where he does his taxiing and hang around and, until he picks me up. And then just pay him just to ferry you around whilst he talks about Rainbow. I bet he gets sick of that, though. Probably. Oh, mate, are you a bloke of Rainbow? <laughs> Maybe he's got a, a taxi that's painted in a rainbow colour. And every time you get in, he goes... When he presses the horn. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> the most effeminate horn. Get out of my way. No. What are you going to do? Get Rod, Jane and Freddy on me? Rod, Jane and Freddy. Originally, Rod, Roger. Jane, Rod Jane and Roger. Uh, maybe it was Roger that was shortened to Rod. No, it was Rod, Jane and Roger, though. Oh, right. That would be Rod, Jane and Rod. A Jane in a Rod sandwich. That's a celebrity sex video that I'm glad never emerged. Going back a few months, we briefly touched on people doing jobs based on what their name is. For example, Katie Holmes only allowed to build accommodation. Wouldn't it be good if there was an actual guy who ran a fishing shop and his name was Rod and he was called Fishing Rod? It's almost the reverse of the Middle Ages when you were named after what you did. Yeah. You now see that. It's na- exactly the same as what <laughs> thinking about it. Again, I'm not going to log this as a query, but wouldn't it be brilliant if Rod, Jane, and Freddie, or Rod, Jane, and Rod, actually owned a shop now? Fishing Rod, Jane, and Freddie. Yeah. Could Jane and Freddie do any other jobs? A fishing. Rod. Army surplus and we do with Army Roger. surplus. Yeah, hang on. Rod is fishing rod. G.I. James <laughs> Army Surplus store. <laughs> a fishing army surplus goth store. Fishing rod, G.I. James, Freddy's Nightmares. Freddy's Nightmares. <laughs> Isn't that one of the Freddy Krueger films? I've only ever seen the first Freddy Krueger film. 
Nightmare on Elm Street, and it's not scary at all. No. It's just funny. It's just Especially silly. the bit when he runs around the house and goes, I'm going to kill you slow. I've seen um, Freddy vs. Jason. But that is almost a comedy, isn't it? Yes. Have you seen Alien vs. Predator? I have. I would have to say it was alright, actually. I would never class it in the same calibre as the Alien films themselves. But um, it's a nice little precursor to them in that the bloke who owns the company that will in later Alien films become the company looks exactly like Bishop the Robot. It's the bloke who plays the android. Ah. Which is why all subsequent androids are made in his image. So it's actually got continuity with the other films. Yeah, yeah. Has it got proper continuity with the Predator films? The Predator films don't really have as much continuity necessary as the Alien films, do they? Predator turns up, kills a few people, Arnie sorts it out, job done. You don't really find out a huge amount about the Predator, do you? Predator turns up, guy from Lethal Weapon sorts it out. Yes, that's Predator 2. The first sex scene I ever saw in a film. Really? Yeah. Predator versus Alien? <laughs> well, it didn't involve a Predator. Oh. But I'm thankful for, otherwise I'd be out of really odd taste. Well, you might not see him, he's quite invisible. It's like that old Superman joke. Which one's that? Superman's flying around, he observes Wonder Woman lying naked on a building. So he thinks, well, I'm Superman, I'm pretty fast, I can go in there, do my deeds, and fly out before she even knows what's happened. He does that, then the invisible man turns to Wonder Woman and says, what the hell happened to my arse? <laughs> I've never heard that. Have you not? I don't think I've ever heard that, but I'm glad I have. And I'm glad it's been shared with downloaders. I could have said that in a better way, but I thought it was such a well-known joke. I'd just summarise the best bit. Perhaps that's the best way to do jokes. If you draw them out, they can get a little bit long-winded. Yeah. But I'm not actually a fan of, you know, long story jokes where you're thinking, come on, punchline. And then the punchline's disappointing, but you have to feign laughter. Otherwise, you're not a very good friend. If I'm honest about the Superman joke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't actually turn around and say, oh, I've got this great joke for you, That's mate. it. You've got to hear this one. And then halfway through, you go, oh, uh, oh, no, that's wrong. Hang on. Let me start again. <laughs> Rubbish. Don't know why all gagmice is a cockney. That's it. It's like why all bumpkins automatically gain a West Country voice. I'm sure there are lots of bumpkins from East Anglia. Isn't it the other way around? Don't people from the West Country automatically get bumpkin status? <laughs> Perhaps that's what it is. Yeah, that's probably actually more accurate that people unjudiciously label West Country residents as bumpkins. I've been to Bath. I didn't see one tractor. Do people from Bath call it Bath or Bath? Bath, my lover. You don't really know that, do you? I'm sure it's Bath. Bath is how I imagine the prince would... uh, Not the singer, the one of Wales. Although, no, that would probably be more like Bath, isn't it? Are Prince and the cat from Red Dwarf the same person? Yes. Ow! Obviously, the answer is no, but the character is very similar. Yeah. And I've heard that in the film Dreamgirls, Eddie Murphy does a very good cat impression of his character. Why would he do that, surely, in the film that he's set in the 60s? The character can be likened more or less to the cat. In the the first series of Red Dwarf, the cat more or less dresses as Little Richard. That kind of brings me on to continuity in films, which is a subject that we've already briefly touched on, but I really want to go for this now. How important is it to have continuity in sequels? Take two examples. You've got the two biggest film franchises of all time, the Star Wars films and and the the James Talking films. My actual point was going to be the James Bond films. Can we not get through a podcast without talking about James Bond? No, it's too big an impact. That's a chat. We've kind of overstepped that mark now. It's too late. We can't retract that statement. I'm going to still go with it. 
Good. Next podcast, let's try and get through it without mentioning Bond. Sans Bond. Sans Bond. Okay. So, Star Wars. Yeah. More continuity than you could ever possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Almost anal. About what? <laughs> Have you not seen the rough cut of the film? <laughs> It would be a rough cut, wouldn't it, with R2-D2? Star Wars 7, The Revenge of the Pooh. George Lucas' attention to detail is almost as great as the attention to detail as a massive Star Wars nerd. Isn't that what he is? Isn't he the king of Star Wars nerds, then? Yeah. He's neither lord but of Star Wars. In general, sci-fi stars, producers, etc., don't share that same maniacal fixation that the fans do. Like, you get conventions, you know, people standing up, I imagine, say, like, in episode 32F, you're seen right X creature but by the next scene it's clearly changed into an X amount of creature and then you can tell the stars are like get alive and they don't even know do they no they just turned up read the lines and you know they, for all they know they were sitting on a pommel horse mentioning Red Dwarf again I know that in one episode in the early series they referred to Lister having had an appendix operation yes and then later on he series ha- 6 series 6 he has his appendix removed which is like one of the most famous continuity errors in sci-fi history. But isn't Red Dwarf stricken with continuity errors? Yes. Like, most of all, the continual reference to dates, and obviously they just chucked them in the episode just because you need a date here, without really thinking about how they affect the other ones. Yeah, it's it's a problem. But that's kind of part of my question. Star Wars has more fans than probably anything in the world. There's a lot of people out there that want that attention to detail. George Lucas has given them that. Yes. Is it necessary, though, when you look at James Bond films, there's just not really any continuity in James Bond films, and what there what there has been is basically pointless. Tenuous at best. Here's a man that, until the recent Casino Royale film, mm-hmm. where they've actually gone back to like a new beginning, they've reset the clock almost, the first 20 films were meant to be the same person in all those films, even though it was played by five different people. Well, all the way through, you've got the same cue apart from the last one, haven't you? Yeah. In the last one, they referred to all the gadgets that he's used in previous films. Does it matter? Not really. Actually, there has been another actor who plays Q. I think in Doctor No, it's a different actor. It's not Desmond Llewellyn. I don't think they've got a Q. They don't call him Q. They call him Major Boothroyd, which is Q's actual name. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Bond fact. Have we ticked off continuity? I don't know. We are, I've, really I've, I've posed it, that I? question in I a very convoluted manner. But I, haven't, I, don't think I haven't really answered it, it no. no. Um, it depends on the film. <laughs> <laughs> Consider subject closed. Okay. The Star Wars films are a Star Wars saga telling essentially the same story, though, aren't they? It's just that it happens to be over a period of six films. Yes. Whereas each Bond film is, in essence, a standalone film that simply features the same character. Yes. Case closed. All right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I thought there was going to be more to it. I don't think there is any more to it, really, is there? Fair enough. I think we've had enough continuity issues ourselves with this particular podcast. And you still look like... I still look like Blofeld. In fact, within the first opening seconds, we'd already referenced the Bond films. Should we have, like, a swear box? A Bond box? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to put it in it, but I'm quite willing to have it there. Let's do that next time. Okay. We could have a, uh, a Bond mallet... And every time that we mention Bond, <laughs> we won't hit each other, but we'll hit a bell that counts up. <laughs> and then I'll put plaster on my face. <laughs> Timmy Mallet and 
children's TV brings us back to Rainbow. Is Rainbow essentially a sci-fi saga in itself that has suffered slightly from continuity errors over the years? Well, in the fact that it was running for 20 years, that I think in TV terms classes it for saga status. And some of the characters, like Zippy, they're a bit alien-esque, aren't they? Well, you've got a talking hippo. It's clearly a genetically engineered creature. And Zippy, is he the R2-D2 of Rainbow? It could be R2-D2 and C-3PO combined. C-3PO is clearly a little bit camp. That's George. Yeah. Zippy is the slightly gobby one, which is clearly R2-D2. You can't understand what he's saying, but you always know he's giving C-3PO aggro. And, just here's another little bit of sci-fi trivia for you. The guy who did the voice of Zippy did the voice of the Daleks in Doctor Who. Really? Yes. And also, you've got, of course, the biggest Star Wars rainbow crossover with Bungle and Chewbacca. Albeit that Bungle is slightly level- less heavily armed, but nonetheless. And-, and Chewbacca doesn't seem to share the same need to cover himself up in certain circumstances situations. Bungle versus Chewbacca. That would be a good film, I think. You'd always put your money on Chewbacca to start with, but then uh, I think Bungle could throw him off guard by, you know, his general nature. He'd make (laughs) Chewbacca slightly uncomfortable in his company. And he's got a massive heed as well. It's clear that not one person on the Rainbow production team had ever seen an actual bear. (laughs) (laughs) You could argue that there are certain facial similarities between Jeffrey and Mark Hamill. Yeah. I'd like to see pictures of them both next to each other because they do look slightly similar. I think we might have to. Um, I'm going to get hold this of is, a copy yeah. of both and put them on the MySpace. So if yeah, that's if you want to see the results of our endeavours, www.myspace.com/slash Andy and Spent. Yeah. See, this is this is good. I like this. It's progress. It's uncovering little nuggets of sci-fi similarities. Is children's TV the breeding ground? for later sci-fi nerds. Because it's that initial suspension of disbelief, isn't it? If you're willing to believe that a bear can quite happily interact with a human and an effeminate hippopotamus that's clearly about the quarter of a size of a hippopotamus, if not less, that may be why you could get these people that are quite happy to watch sci-fi films. Works for me. A lot of which are pretty rubbish. Question, you just referred to sci-fi nerds. Yeah. What's the difference between a nerd and a geek? I don't necessarily know that there is a difference between the two. I think it depends on what, how you use the words. For example, is there a difference between a nerd and a poindexter? Is being a geek better than being a nerdstrom? I don't know. But there is a difference between the type of geek, maybe, and a nerd. Or maybe a geek is anyone who is passionately obsessive about a particular topic, i.e. a computer games geek. Or, you know, they, they know down to an... In- an infinite amount of knowledge about a particular subject, <laughs> whereas... I'd be- beg to differ. <laughs> where, well, but a nerd would be someone who has that sort of, you know, the thick glasses and the braces on and the, Hi, I'm from school, sort of voice. Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I didn't know I could do a Kermit the Frog impression. Mm, it's pleasure. <laughs> your, your laugh was even like Kermit the Frog, though. Kermit the Frog. <laughs> now you're just amusing yourself and no one else. Um, I'm sorry, but yeah. So to me, that's the difference between the types of geek. You've got the one that's the, the obsessive geek and the one that is the uh, the actual nerd. Going back to your Star Wars point about Jeffrey from Rainbow. Jeffrey, if you're listening in on your iPod whilst in your taxi, pottering about in your Rainbow taxi around town, trying to ignore the guy who's saying, Hey, you're Jeffrey from Rainbow, aren't you? Sean Bean. Yep, Sean Bean in your taxi. You're Jeffrey from Rainbow. Your ears have perked up because you're thinking, 
Well, if Mark Hamill turns down Star Wars Episode Seven, I'm in. <laughs> Given the uh, the age difference between the two films, I think you could probably get away with that. What about that? Zed Cars to Rainbow to Taxi Driver, not the film with Robert De Niro, unfortunately for his career, followed by Star Wars Episode Seven. What? Where have you got Zed Cars from? Didn't you know this? No. Jeffrey from Rainbow was in Zed Cars before he was in Rainbow. Brian Blessed was in Zed Cars as well. Star Wars crossover. He's... He was the guy from Naboo. <laughs> He's the king of the uh, Gungans. Gungans, that's it. Yeah. Wow, it's just a veritable linkage of sci-fi persona. Is Brian Blessed ever in Red Dwarf? I don't think so. He should be. But then you've got the sort of people who continually crop up in sci-fi things. Like um, Christopher Lee. He's done the franchise triple, hasn't he? Star Wars, Bond, and of course Lord of the Rings. Yes. Is there anything left for him to do, saga-wise? But Maybe Alien. I don't really see how he could fit in that. Well, he's quite tall. they suit the costume, I think. He also did the Hammer Horror films, which is probably the biggest saga of all time. How long did they go for? Donkeys. Which do you prefer, sci-fi or fantasy? Sci-fi. See, I'm torn. Well, it depends what your class... Do you think Star Wars is sci-fi or fantasy? Now, Star Wars is a very, very different one because it's clearly sci-fi in that it's got the futuristic and the lasers and things like that. But the basics of the story is very much of the fantasy story, just within a sci-fi world, in that they've got the knights, empires and republics and swords and things. Let me put it this way. I prefer 2001 A Space Odyssey to Krull. I love Krull. I genuinely, it's got, that's got what's in it, hasn't it? Um, Bernard Breslau. But you can't compare it to 2001 A Space I've not seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. Well, there you go. You're fantasy and I'm sci-fi. I've seen them Hawk the Slayer. So you're saying then that fantasy is your ideal? The basics of fantasy intrigue me a lot more than sci-fi do. But I do like sci-fi films. I think I'd rather watch Crawl than Star Trek. Me too. I don't know whether I can honestly say that I like sci-fi more than fantasy. Depends on how much fiction has gone into your science fiction, really. And how far it takes it away from fact. Because Star Trek, they've taken liberties with science, but a lot of it is based on fact. Or has since become fact since it was something fictional. Whereas you can't argue that anything in Star Wars is likely to happen in the future. I don't think I'm packed full of midichlorians. Do you not reckon? No. Maybe that's just because I'm not eligible to be a Jedi Knight, though. Would you want to be? Because, you you know, there's so many impositions on you. Well, that's, that's the eternal question. Would you rather be a Jedi Knight... And there's the obvious cool usage of a lightsaber. Or would you rather be Han Solo? Personally, I'd rather be Luke Skywalker than Han Solo. Why? Because you get to use a lightsaber and he's just... Not in the first film. No one wants to be Luke Skywalker from the first film. But from Return of the Jedi, I think, for me, Luke steals the show. With the rescue on board Jabba's floating yacht thing. And just the confidence in him. If I was going to be a Jedi, it would be Obi-Wan. The coolest of the Jedi. Yeah. Or, if it was possible, I, I think I'd like to hang around with Yoda, but wouldn't want to be Yoda. You have a different perspective on things, that's for sure. <laughs> Speaking of which, the cat that you're holding there yeah. rather resembles Yoda in my eyes. I can't really see his face from this angle. I feel it would be somewhat cruel to tilt its head vertically backwards. I might snap its neck. Mm, whiskers I will eat. <laughs> Why would you eat whiskers? Oh, the cat, cat food. <laughs> Oh, you chew on, <laughs> chew on your own body parts. It kind of brings us back to Prince there. It and does. the cat in one go. Lovely. Prince was rumoured to chew on his own body parts. Really? Oh, of course. This, is that, that the, the rumour that he had his ribs removed? Yeah. yeah. Is that science fiction? <laughs> oh, there <laughs> goes the cat. It's off. See ya. Bye. Oh, I've got blood returning to my left leg. She's having a scratch. 
See, that fascinates me about cats. The fact that they can scratch behind their ear with their back legs. It's brilliant. It's, especially when they've got a balloon for a belly. Do you feel that cat's somewhat on the porky side? Yeah. Um, I would anyway. say cuddly. Yoda she is. But what sci-fi sagas or sci-fi films do you think could have been better? I'll be honest, most sci-fi films disappoint me. There's so many that resort to copying or being poor imitations of the classics. For example, no one's going to hold up Lost in Space as a cinema. I was thinking that exact same token. Exact same thought. You know, it's not for lack of quality. I mean, you've got Gary Oldman in it for a start. He's pretty much usually a stamp of quality on a film, isn't it? Can you think of anything he's been in that's bad other than that? No, I can't. There's your answer. Modern classics, any any spring to mind? Sci-fi and fantasy. Obviously, the Lord of the Rings film would have to qualify as modern classics, but I think that the fantasy genre in recent years has been massively underserved. Well, the only one of note is Lord of the Rings. Is Jeremy Irons trying to become the next Christopher Lee, but failing? By being in Eragon and Dungeons and & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons was rubbish. Possibly. I think it's only one of two films that I've ever just failed to watch all the way through. Normally, no matter how bad a film is, I'll stick it out. Another one, and this is we've touched upon this um, not on the podcast, but recently, is a fantasy film that I loved of recent years was Van Helsing. I... That's the other film you failed to sit all the way through, I take it. Yes, I'm struggling to get through it. I've got most of the way through it. It has its redeeming qualities. I think Hugh Jackman's a good actor. I think Kate Beckinsale is fit. What else is there to like? I like the way Dracula is in the film. I love the CGI. I think the, the werewolves look fantastic. That's about it. But a film where you've got a self-reloading crossbow. Yeah, that's taking it a little bit far. But then again, am I picking up the wrong points here? If you're looking for reality in a fantasy film, maybe I'm just it's just proving that I'm not, that sci-fi is what I'm after, not fantasy. Sci-fi essentially is meant to be believable. True. But it's point. not it's not based in the modern world. Usually. But fantasy, you can do whatever you want with because essentially it's just it's fantasy. fantasy so a self-reloading crossbow doesn't really matter does it if you can fantasize about it it can be classed as a fantasy film should i really be picking up that as a, a point that i don't like when you know i'm ignoring the fact that you've got werewolves and a vampire actually several vampires some would say that if you're going to start picking on the things that are unrealistic the crossbow is not the first port of call to the man that transforms into a werewolf. Exactly. Or the Catholic Church that houses a secret weapons department in its basement. Question though, why do you not like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Is it because you were going expecting it to be the comedy show from BBC Two? Not quite. It's almost closer to being the comedy show from BBC Two than I would ever... Now, I think this is where we re-enter the geek nerd fray in that I didn't like it because it wasn't historically accurate. It's rubbish when you submit that as a reason for not liking a film because it's a film... It's fiction, but not being historically accurate is something that gets my go. But having a self-reloading crossbow in the 19th century, that's not historically accurate. No, it's not, but I'm allowing it to go. I'm letting it go. I suppose I'm just picking on it. I don't like the film and I'm going to go for it. What don't you like, then? About League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. It's just not very good. I, I can't think of a single reason now, because every reason I say I don't like that film can probably be applied to Van Helsing. Isn't Jekyll and Hyde in both? Yes, he is. He's a baddie who later turns into a hero in um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The reason I didn't like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is because I thought it was going to be X-Men in the Victorian era. And what was it? It was rubbish. <laughs> 
It just wasn't. It was. There's not as much action. There's missiles in it in like 1890. There's a car that clearly wouldn't have been available until about 1945 in the same year. So in summary, then we haven't actually concluded anything about continuity in films, whether it's necessary or not. We haven't concluded whether historical accuracy is necessary for a fantasy genre. We haven't concluded whether sci-fi or fantasy, whether one is better than the other. We haven't decided anything, really. We haven't settled on an accurate separation between nerds and geeks. Something that has annoyed me um, very recently is that, just a small point, in a couple of weeks I'm going to London to see the Game On exhibition at the Science Museum. I can't believe we've got an exhibition at the Science Museum about a TV show in the late 90s that had three series. You've misunderstood me a little bit there. (laughs) I hope to see the cast there, but it's it's about um, the history of video games. Now, some people would call me a video game geek slash nerd slash Poindexter. It's an exhibition, but someone I know has told people I'm going to a games convention. Now, the difference is subtle, but it's there. I don't want to be the sort of person who goes to a convention. That's more, in my eyes, people who dress up as their favourite characters and indulge in a little bit of cosplay and... It's almost the difference between saying that you're going to a museum or you're part of a historical reenaction group. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yes. I feel like I'm unjustly being labelled slightly more geeky than I feel myself to be. So how are you going to go dressed to this exhibition? Well, it's, I'm going to go wearing normal clothes, probably a pair of action slacks and a cardi, or a pair of jeans and a hoodie, I don't know. It depends how I feel on the day and on the weather. I bet there's been a character in a sci-fi film or computer game that has either worn a hoodie or some action slacks. Therefore, you're going to a convention. No, I'm not going... I'm just wearing what I wear. I'm not going dressed as a particular character. I'm going dressed as me. But what you wear is in turn what you like to wear, which happens to be what you like, which is the same as what the character's like. No, no, it's not a convention. End of story. Okay, if you turn up in hot pants and a big padded bra as Lara Croft, then we'll know. Oh, my uh, my blue hedgehog suit's coming out of the cleaners next week. (laughs) 